I have this downstairs neighbor who loves me because uh, he was like really drunk this one time and had my number and texted me and I let him in and he like feels like he's indebted to me. But one time he was being like, he's like a producer. I think he's like an amateur, like bedroom pop musician or something because he like very frequently will be playing and playing music and like singing really loudly. But sometimes he just plays music. And a couple of weeks ago I was, uh, I was playing a horror game. I think I was, no, I was watching a horror movie. I don't remember what horror movie it is. I, uh, I watch a lot of horror movies and, uh, I was sitting with my girlfriend and while we were trying to watch this horror movie, he was blasting a Celine Dion playlist for like (laughs) a half hour straight. Uh, and I could hear it as if I were playing it in my apartment. Um, and it was Did cool, that change actually. the experience of the horror movie for you? Yeah, it actually like it broke a lot of the tension, which is nice. And like, who doesn't love Celine Dion? So I slipped a note under his door and I was like, man, I love Celine Dion. I'll be the first to tell you. But uh, could you turn it down? And uh, he did. And uh, we're good buddies now. He saved on my phone as Jason downstairs neighbor. So if you're listening to this, Jason, uh, shout out. Shout out. You're welcome on the pod anytime. You can just you know, yell and you'll probably get picked up on my mic. Yes, Jason, <laughs> come sing Celine to us. Come sing Celine. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, theme song. Greetings, uh, podcast land. Um, we are broadcasting once again, uh, joined this week by uh, a very special guest, uh, Connor Carson, uh, a game developer at Sam Barlow's studio. What's the studio called, Connor? Uh, it's called Half Mermaid. Half Mermaid. So uh, tonight, uh, Connor will be telling us all about that. She'll be giving us the full mermaid experience. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, uh, before we do that, I'll bring in the podcast, uh, because this is the Motion Pixels podcast. I'm your co-host, August Meyer. August, say hello. Hello! Uh, Joined by my lovely co-host, Matthew Rawlings. Matthew, say hello. Hello! And uh, as I just mentioned moments ago, uh, astute listeners will recall, we are also joined by Connor Carson, uh, video game developer extraordinaire. Connor, say hello. Hi. Oh, my God. I have never been introduced in such an official fashion. I have butterflies now. Uh, half butterflies or full butterflies? I'm going to call <laughs> I like 75. They're controllable, but they're they're pretty high. It's okay. I'm, I'm feeling it, you know. So the butterflies are under control. There's nothing to worry about because this <laughs> is the Motion Pixels podcast. Uh, this week, as you may have guessed, we'll be diving deep uh, like a mermaid. Uh, into uh, Connor Carson's, uh, what she's been up to. She, uh, I don't know if y'all have uh, played the wonderful games that uh, Sam Barlow has been putting out, but um, one of my favorite indie games from the past, like five, 10 years is uh, Her Story. And uh, that's like the only game that I have ever pulled out a notebook and like needed to uh, like take notes and keep track of all of these clues and whatnot that I was finding out. It's a really solid game. Uh, he also put out Telling Lies, which was this like big critically acclaimed game with uh, starring Clementine from Westworld uh, and the mom from uh, Halt and Catch Fire. Very dope show. Um, and he's working on some sort of super secret project, uh, I guess. So, so Connor, uh, how did you 
get started at half mermaid or is it full mermaid it's it's half or full it is the half no okay. one knows quite exactly what that means for the mermaid in question which half? but um <laughs> what which which half yeah that's a good question well that's that's the question isn't it i sort of feel like if you're half mermaid then at least one of your parents was a mermaid so you're you're like actually a quarter human and a quarter fish and then half something else <laughs> wait a second if if half mermaid refers to like a mermaid that is cut in half you would have yeah. to slice it like like from head from head to fin <laughs> or else it would just look like either a giant fish or a regular sized human well if you're yeah, these if you're half mermaid and you are the human half could you can we all just be half mermaid well right point. if you're a mermaid you are half fish half human but my my argument is if you're half mermaid you're quarter fish quarter human maybe quarter something else quarter something else these like are the things that keep me awake well since i've been working at half mermaid um and this is definitely not uh you know um something that i've discussed with sam he probably does not agree with my assessment of half mermaid this is purely my own <laughs> puzzling this is headcanon headcanon yes. for uh, half mermaid lore Yep. <laughs> Great. So, uh, yeah. How did you uh, how did you uh, start working there? Um, well, I was really, really lucky in that I uh, I was able to get the job right out of school. So I went to NYU um, to the Game Center program for game design, their their two year master's program, and um, I had a professor who knew that they were searching around and recommended me for the job. And then I, I did a series of many, many interviews, like right up until like literally two days before everything went into lockdown, I think was my final interview. And I was oh, wow. very grateful and very lucky in that I, I got the job <laughs> um, and was able to start actually like uh, two weeks after I, after I graduated from school. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, that's sick. Uh, so, what what do you do specifically? You're a, a gameplay programmer, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I'm a gameplay programmer, just like kind of all general over programmer for the particular project that I'm working on. Um, but yeah, Sam um, tells me what he envisions this game doing and how it works, and I, in collaboration with uh, Lizzie Atwood, who's um, our amazing. A contract and programmer working out of the UK. She and I work together and make prototypes, just um, which are becoming more and more polished into the actual thing. Trying to create his vision of what this game is going to be. That's sick. Can you can you tell us anything about the project you're working on, or is it super under wraps, or what's the what's the what's the status of that? It's mostly under wraps, so I want to be careful. I'm under NDA, and like I don't want to yeah, get course. anything. Yeah, yeah, don't away. get yourself in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it is called um at, at the moment it's going under the title project ambrosio um or project a and you can find it on steam and wishlist it uh and it is in in the vein of his previous games um very very heavily uh you know focused around cinema and uh with a bit of a sort of spooky element to it as well but i can't i can't really say more than that <laughs> cool yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I like her. I, I didn't play Telling Lies, but I, I played the shit out of her story. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I wouldn't say it was spooky, but it was pr- a pretty dark game. Uh, mm-hmm. So to see more of that 
uh, sounds really cool. Uh, what's your experience with uh, Sam Barlow's games? Like, I know he also did uh, Silent Hill Origins and uh, one other Silent Hill game and uh, a few other projects. Yeah, he did. Um, he did Shattered Memories. Shattered Memories. Um, yeah, I, I really hadn't played uh, much of Sam's games before applying for the job. I knew of them and we had definitely talked about them in some of my classes in school. Um, but you know, when, when the application sort of presented itself as an opportunity, I was just like, all right, I got to go play these games. Um, and so I, I just did like a rapid dash playing of, uh, her story and telling lies. And I haven't gotten to any of the Silent Hill games that he's had a hand in, but I did go back to, oh man, I just played Silent Hill 2 for the first time, like a month ago. Um, and my, my my experience with the Silent Hill series before that was being a kid with a PS4 and we had like one of the, the demo discs that came with the console that had a demo of Silent Hill on it. And my sister said, under no circumstances, play this. So obviously <laughs> I played it and yeah, then yeah. decided that like I never wanted to touch another Silent Hill game in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and look where that got you. So uh, Here I am. <laughs> uh, cool. Cool. Yeah. So. Um, so this is a spooky game, which is uh, cool for the month of October, you know, which, you know, generally pretty spook filled. Um, what are what are yeah. some of your favorite? Like, do you have other favorite uh, like ho- horror games, horror movies, uh, things oh, that like yeah. kind of inform your work? Definitely. I am. Um, I, I love horror stuff. I struggle with like the really sort of horror centric horror, but like creepy suspenseful horror I love. Um, I watched a lot of like possession films growing up out of a fascination because I was raised Catholic. And so I was equal parts like, I want to understand this and like, wow, my mom is telling me this is real. That's kind of fucked up. (laughs) Sorry, I don't know if I can swear. Can I swear? (laughs) Yeah, go for it. If Sweet. You, if you swear, it's over. Yeah, We're like literally do it, call. Connor. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. All right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I watched like Exorcism of Emily Rose when I was a kid, and that has just like been burned into my brain. Um, horror games that I've played, probably one of the first uh, like really hardcore horror games that I played was. Um, a Resident Evil Biohazard. Oh, sick. That really uh, terrified me because I never played anything quite that hardcore because I just generally get like paralyzed with fear when I try to play a horror game. I um, mean, that's like one of the scariest games in the world. <laughs> it is. It's difficult. Like, full disclosure, I played it with my fiance and mostly made him handle the controller. Um, <laughs> is that the first but, one? The biohazard no, is that another it's like no, so the seventh it's I think? the seventh one yeah it's confusing matt because resident evil in japan is called biohazard yeah yeah so oh. like the series is so like i think in japan and resident evil 7 is called resident evil 7 biohazard but oh. i think in japan that game is called biohazard 7 resident evil that's the first person like, one right that, but oh yeah it's the first dude the first that one, one yeah my friend was playing that a couple of weeks back and he was uh he was streaming it while he did and it looks really good i really want to play it in vr um, oh Dude, my I, I heard it's like the scariest shit ever. Yeah, right. Uh, I've watched a lot of Let's Play in VR, and I don't, I do not think I could handle that. <laughs> um, but I think, I think my favorite horror game that I've played ever is um, 
Oh, gosh. Before I get on to that, I should give a shout out to Phantasmagoria when I was a kid. Have you guys played oh, cool. that? No, what is it? Uh, no, but I've, I've heard of it. It Oh, my God. It's a ridiculous um, FMV game by Roberta Williams that was critically... The, the reception was complicated, and there was, like, some really iffy stuff in it. Um, but the actual game itself like it was it was one that i wasn't technically allowed to play but like i would go to my <laughs> cousins and play it anyway um it was terrifying there were a lot of cutscenes of like really weird campy grotesque horror and that is a very interesting sort of funny ridiculous campy horror game um definitely recommend that but uh favorite overall has to be alien isolation oh perfect yeah, yeah the game's awesome yeah i uh I'm obsessed with that game. I wrote it when I applied to the NYU Game Center. One of my application essays was on that game. It's so good. I can't with the alien and just also the the aesthetic of the entire game. Having grown up on Alien and Aliens, they yeah, that is it. such a good franchise. Um, can I ask oh. you some questions about your game dev program? I've never actually heard like what people learn in those courses like yeah so like what were your class because it's a master's program so you don't have to do any like dumb like unrelated stuff right you didn't have to take like a like a history or yeah there was no like general ed classes or anything like that um it was everything was was game um was game dev focused that's cool. The Game Center is really interesting. I actually, I I would never have even known about the program had it not been that when I was an undergrad at Tisch, um, I, I was there studying acting. I like just got to a point where I was <laughs> really um, kind of over the acting side of things, kind of exacerbated with a lot of the politics of it. And I wanted to branch out and just take some electives that would be fun. And one of the electives I took was at the Game Center just for fun. It was like this philosophical class called Thinking About Games, where we spent the entire semester trying to define what a game is. Um, and I had this amazing professor, Charles Pratt. And then it was years later that I like reached back out to him I was like, hey, what if I did this as a career? And he was very supportive of me in applying to um, the master's program. And uh, basically, the NYU Game Center is really focused on making independent game developers. So they're not necessarily like, um, you know, grooming you to go out into AAA development right away. They really want to give you a full uh, toolkit to be able to develop on your own, to be able to do the narrative design, to do you know, um, at least basic programming, or if you're more interested in that, then to do more advanced programming, um, to do, uh, you know, the basic art, whatever you have to do to sort of be a, a like fully equipped, rounded game developer on your own um, is really what they were focused on. Wow, that's awesome. So like, were there like courses on genres? Like there were some elective courses on genres. Like I know there was a horror game to to credit elective course that I really wanted to take and I couldn't fit it into my schedule that particular semester, which was a bummer. Um, but yeah, wow. definitely. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I didn't know because like the only programs I've ever heard of have been like ones that like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what other colleges are called outside of California because that's where I went to school. But like the CSUs all have like game design programs, but they were, I don't know, seemed all like very 
basic and like mm. not targeting. Like it's cool that this program was aiming to make indie devs and like giving you a, yeah. like, a really well-rounded toolkit because then you can like go do whatever with that. Yeah, it was really incredible. I mean, I think it depends on what you want. Like definitely there, I feel like if you know you want to go into game dev and you know you want to do a really specific niche of game dev and work in AAA, then like there are different schools to go to to become an expert in that specific thing. But if you just want to be an independent developer making your own stuff and able to to sort of survive that way doing um, various contract work and that kind of thing, the, the Game Center was amazing. And really, really good at sort of letting you pick and choose where you wanted to invest your time. That's cool. So, like, did they teach you, like, uh, like, and, like Unity or Unreal or, like, how to write your own thing from scratch? Like, did they cover any of that there? Uh, nothing, not not necessarily like writing anything from scratch, but uh, almost everything that we did was in Unity. They do have an undergraduate program, and I know that some of those classes covered Unreal and some other kinds of uh, engines. And like we, I took a couple programming classes that dabbled in some other um, engines like, oh gosh, what did I use? I'm blanking on all their names. Phaser. Um, and, um, oh gosh, there's an engine that uses Lua that's like... Ew. It's better I, you probably yeah, forget not, about that. Yeah, I'm Lua's, not a Lua seems fan cool. of Lua. Lua's like a suit. You can like do anything with Lua, right? Or like, that's, that's what you use to like mod just whatever game, right? I mean, I'm not experienced enough in it to probably make a really informed opinion, but in the few weeks that I spent with it, it pissed me off. Yeah, I've <laughs> written some janky macros in World of Warcraft with Lua, but... Sick. I can't imagine like writing a whole game engine in that. Ugh. Yeah, that was rough. Pretty much everything we did was C Sharp and Unity. And then there was a little bit of room to dabble in other stuff in a couple of classes. So is Unity um, what you yeah. use at Half Mermaid? Or do you guys have like custom tools? Because like I was, I wanted to ask you all about this because like those games seem so strange, like on how they must be yeah. set up. I can't even like, I don't know if you can talk about that, but I'd be really interested in hearing like how you even um, get it going i mean i'm only partially privy to to you know the way that like her story and um telling lies uh were sort of like architectured um but but yeah they're they're all done in unity oh cool That's awesome. um and you just have to be i guess really clever with some of the video playback because like rendering that uh, especially if there's any point where like you need to render multiple things at once becomes really expensive and tricky and so it's just like a lot of sleight of hand i think yeah, wow, yeah the cool. uh the fmv nature of uh sam barlow's games uh really stands out to me uh I, I try to keep my ear to the ground in the like indie game dev scene and almost no one else that i am aware of is going as hard in the paint uh with fmv as this guy um and i think it's cool because growing up um i i always thought of fmv games as like hokey and like i don't know not for me like i remember seeing cutscenes from command and conquer i don't know if you're familiar but like tim curry is in mm -hmm. command and conquer yeah. and, like, those cutscenes are like so like like uh pulpy and campy so i always kind of yeah. associated uh fmv games with that like they're going to be campy like uh uh, man, I'm blanking on the name, but it was, it was called Night Trap. One of the first, one of the early uh, FMV games uh, is about like uh, a house under siege by a vampire. And it was like uh, banned uh, by like the uh, by conservatives in the United States because it was like so, I don't know, it was like it lets you like kill people 
and it showed it, you know, with, with video, but it was still super campy. So the fact that like in 2020, or I don't, I, don't, I have no idea if project a is, uh, is FMV, but in t- like in earlier, uh, in the last decade, uh, with telling lies and, uh, her story, mm-hmm. I just think it's so cool that, uh, like FMV is given prestige. Um, like when someone takes it really seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it was really born out of sort of, um, a necessity when, when Sam was creating her story, which was just, you know, how can I do this effectively and within my budget? And obviously, um, you know, paying uh, a, a ton of artists to do 3D modeling or, or God forbid, like doing motion capture was all going to get very expensive and uh, just actually filming live actors and, and using the footage within the game was the most effective sort of method for him to tell the story that he wanted to tell. And, uh, and it worked. And so he's really stuck with it. He's also a huge cinephile. Sam's knowledge of cinema in general is mind blowing to me. If you're ever just like bored and want to learn about really interesting, random cinema from history, go look at his Twitter um, at Mr. Sam Barlow. It is insane. He is equally parts, I would say, a uh, cinephile and a games expert. And um, I think, a lo- yeah, a lot of the use of FMV comes out of his love for that. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I, I think I think it really, it came out of initially, it, it would seem to me out of necessity, which I think a lot of really good game design choices too. It's like, I have to do this thing, but I'm constrained by X, Y, Z. And then you just have to get clever with it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that leads to some really like some total magic. Uh, cause like I, uh, I was blown away by her story. Honestly, I played the whole thing, like binged it in like a, in one night with my buddy. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's just awesome. And you see the like cinematic, uh, influence, uh, in that game. And I'm sure with, with telling lies as well. And, uh, I, I've been following Sam Barlow on Twitter for a while. And, uh, this month has been delightful following him because he's been <laughs> posting tons of uh like stuff about horror and he's like i i'm doing this thing this month where i'm watching uh, a horror movie every day and uh it seems like he's like almost doing the same thing because like every single day he's posting about some random typically like horror movie um that he's been watching or is thinking about and um, yeah yeah it's awesome it's cool to see like the the melding of like cinema and video games like i think the uh like the biggest budget example of that is probably like Hideo Kojima and all of his games, uh, like all the way back to uh, like Metal Gear Solid. Um, the, the first 3D Metal Gear game was like, I think it took people by surprise because of its approach to storytelling, like from a cinematic perspective, like games had cutscenes before Metal Gear Solid, but um, Metal Gear Solid is like, is like made like a, like a spy movie and that just hadn't been done before. So um, it's, it, I think it's really cool to see kind of the, like the mixed media approach to, uh, to game developing. And it's really exciting because I, I love movies a, a lot. My whole life I've been just as passionate about movies as I have been, have been about, uh, about video games. But you, Connor, I, uh, like we went to high school together and all through high school, you were like the drama girl. Like I, <laughs> you were in like all of the, all of the, uh, the plays and musical and whatnot, um, that shout out to Mrs. Schmelzer, uh, the drama director. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that she, that she put Schmelzer. on Schmelzer, friend of the podcast. You're welcome on any time. Uh, want to hop on the mic? <laughs> that would be an <laughs> amazing episode. Um, but uh, yeah, so you know, talking about cinematic 
influence, maybe theatrical influence in games? Like, how do you feel that your uh, like tenure uh, in theater and uh, acting informed your your game development? Sure. I think, well, it's interesting. I think about this a lot because I think it is influencing my work in like a vast number of ways. First of all, I don't think I would have ended up in game dev or with the job that I currently have if I didn't uh, have that previous experience within theater. Um, Because that, you know, that's, I was pretty 100% committed to that. I went to undergrad for that. And then I sort of became um, disenchanted with it through my experience uh, as an undergrad and then with a couple of years following auditioning. And, uh, you know, I still had a love for for acting for performance itself and i and i started to get into voiceover um including sort of exploring a little bit of video game voiceover where i found i was really meeting like the best it felt to me like i was meeting the best people with within the industry in a sense um and uh but you know i i became more and more disenchanted and i remembered that professor that i'd had as an uh, as an undergrad who had actually taken me aside at one point and been like hey have you considered this as a career and that was the first moment that it clicked for me like oh people make games for a living i could do that (laughs) um and so so i went to him you know a couple years after trying the audition thing um and i was like i i don't know why but i feel really drawn to this i feel like it's sort of this perfect um middle ground between all these things that I've invested my time in and uh, am, am I crazy for, for wanting to do this or for wanting to apply to this program? And he was super supportive. Um, and then to come upon this job where so much, of, um, so much of what Sam is about is, is cinema, is the performance. He's an amazing director. He really loves working directly with actors um, and, and, and coming into it from that perspective. And also during those two years when I had been auditioning, sort of as my survival job, I had been working for a small uh, film conservatory doing film editing. So I'd gotten my hand a little bit in the film production side of things. And so between that and the acting experience and then the game dev experience and then coming to find Sam, who was like this perfect sort of mix of all of those, I was like, yep, this is the job for me. Um, And I definitely find like it's influenced my work. Um, Not as much in the programming work, just because um, a lot of the I definitely take some creative liberties in my work, but mostly, you know, it's about. Uh, what Sam wants to do creatively, and then I just try to make whatever he wants happen. Uh, but like in my personal work and things I'm developing on the side for fun, like I do a lot of narrative writing, and and I found it's influenced me massively. If for nothing else, in that like uh, I love working on narrative work and doing even interactive fiction, um, and and being able to write from a character first perspective and really be focused on the objectives uh, and and less on the, I don't want to say the plot, obviously there's focus on the plot, but writing everything from a character perspective sort of like first, that's like where I'm coming from to begin with is, is huge and has been a really big help to me. That's really cool. So what, what kind of stuff do you work on the side? You say interactive fiction. Is that like a, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, like a visual novel, like that kind of thing. Visual novels, um, I've done a handful of, but uh, what I really love is just really classic interactive fiction where it's like, um, it's just pure text. It's like you're in a cave with a lamp. Oh, cool. Like a mug. And 
Yeah, and you're just, and you you just write like examine lamp and things like that. Um, so I've I've definitely worked a lot of, on those kinds of things. I did a lot of those projects in school. Um, I <laughs> for fun I dabble in some like uh, interactive fiction erotica, and oh, yeah. then um, and then I just work on on some other some other random kinds of games. Uh, like I'm working on a a sort of chess match three hybrid game right now that i'm just having a lot of fun working on that came out of a prototype that i did for a class oh that's dope yeah uh matt actually has some experience with uh visual novels slash dating simulators oh my god Uh, you guys might be able to you know kind of you know uh you know, pick each other's brains about uh, the scene. He, for instance, was working on uh, briefly a, a dating simulator where there were, uh, we have uh, like a discord uh, where a bunch of the buds get together and uh, they were planning a dating simulator where, with female versions of a bunch of the guys from the discord where you could like, <laughs> you like uh, your car like breaks down in front of like a sorority house filled with, girl versions of no, the guys no, no. in the Discord. You're, you're getting it all wrong. You're getting it all wrong. <laughs> so the pitch was... I'm sold. Coronavirus, the dating game. <laughs> oh, But, God. like, nerds. So, like, you're in, like... A, it's, like, I think it was college. I can't remember, but... It was definitely college. Yeah, it was, it was a, college. There was a sorority and house involved. All, all the characters were based, like, around personality-wise, us. And uh, it was, like, split into, like scenarios where you would like choose to play games with certain people and then you would have conversations it'd be like a branching narrative tree um we never did it and i'm kind of glad because that would have been a uh, uh, (laughs) my my favorite feature uh that was on the like you know project roadmap that i heard about was (laughs) 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 okay so the the connor the main like mechanic in this game was that like during the day you're like flirting with all of the different girls and uh who are you know the the boys in the discord yeah which to be clear are all of you (laughs) (laughs) and uh every night you like choose one to like text with and uh they were going to have like a patreon or something where you could pay to make your texts like even raunchier and to unlock like uh like like pictures the girls would send you oh my god <laughs> see this is why this this these weren't my ideas this wasn't my brainchild and this is no you're engaging in what do they call it is it kiss coin kiss coin? oh my god the- connor what is kiss coin let's go into that I might not be using the right phrase, and please forgive me, I'm half a bottle in. But <laughs> if it is Kiss Coin or something similar, it's basically in, in games, especially dating sims, it's the mechanic where essentially if you say the right thing, you will get the girl or guy or gender non-conforming person of your heart's desire. And isn't that all games like that though? I feel like every dating sim. I've always just see, like thought of it, it as is, like fan service. It is it definitely is the majority of them because I don't think anybody's found a better way around that mechanic or at least um you know I I don't think any really mainstream games have found a good way around that mechanic and 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 yeah there is the argument that, that is very much not a healthy transaction to to be to be making and to reinforce for the player 
um it's it's like the sims you know you just like say the right things and you up your stats and you flirt a little and then you woohoo and because you earned it (laughs) yeah see that see that's the dating sim i want to make like i (laughs) yeah well like not this one the one gus was talking about was like a joke that one of our friends who's an artist he was going to do all the art and writing it was his idea and i'm the only person really in the discord that does programming that would have done it so he asked me to help i was like yeah sure good yeah important Um, distinction there there's plenty of programmers but he was the only one who would have done it yeah oh my god (laughs) uh but yeah like no a visual novel i was throwing around with uh some of my roommates back like wow i'm old four years ago was like a bit just a visual novel where every ending just puts you down like super hard like it's like the um like the bait and switch like you try to do all that stuff and then it just turns out that you know whoever you're pursuing just just gives you a big fuck you and goes and does something else just to make so rather the player than a kiss coin bad. rather than a kiss coin it's like a cut coin yeah it, it's the cuts <laughs> like a novel. fuck you coin <laughs> that's interesting i that's interesting the question is how do you get your players to play that that sounds very punishing uh big anime titties <laughs> Wow. That, I mean, that's what so that's all visual novels are, right? Like, whoa, yeah. Whoa. I mean, and, well, I'm not going to say all of them, but there, that's certainly a trend well, in in some. Well, yeah, like interactive story games. There's like really good ones. You know, there's like I'm sure you've played like the Telltale, a bunch of the Telltale games, like The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, all all of those. Um, and those are like like I really like story like choose your own kind of adventure games like that. And I think those are like what a good visual novel would be. But like when you get to the visual novel, like actual category rather than like story-based game or whatever telltales are like, it's just all anime girls and it's all fan service. It's what it seems like. I just feel like visual novels in general, and this is not to say I've never played a good one, but in general, I feel like they let me down That's why I prefer the interactive fiction. I just like, I want to picture what this person is based on the words that you provide. And the second you provide me some still of an anime figure sliding in from the right or sliding in (laughs) from the left, I'm just disappointed. (laughs) I'm just like, you're not what I wanted. (laughs) Yeah, like it's just, it's kind of like a dumping ground genre. Because, like, every game that does that idea better gets labeled under something else, so it's not associated with those. Mm. It, it rises mm-hmm. from rises from the dregs of the visual novel category on Steam. <laughs> the dregs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, let's make let's all make a visual novel together. That's what I'm hearing. Okay. Okay, yeah, cool, cool, cool. The, the so cuck we'll... novel? Is that what we're going to go with? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's a great idea. People I seriously kind of thing. I made a whole visual novel prototype you, in Unity, so I got to use it at some point. You got to do it. And if if any of you all need some erotic writing, I am not even kidding that I have a deep passion for it, but little opportunity to use it. I am I am not brave about it. I had to. I took a class. Um, God, I don't know. My third or fourth semester called prototype studio where every week we would get a prompt some were vague and some were really specific and we would have one week to make a prototype of a game based on the prompt and i think 
Oh, I was I was tasked with making something like truly addictive, like like Flappy Bird addictive. And I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to make like the most ridiculous, sexy uh, visual novel ever. But where like, you know, those visual novels where where it'll offer you a couple of choices of what to say and like two of them are terrible. And then there's one really good, obvious choice, but you yeah. have to pay in-game currency to use it. Oh, what? <laughs> Yeah, that's like a huge thing. Huh? If you've ever played like, uh, oh God, go play episodes or there's oh my others God. I, I've there. seen ads for episodes. Do I want oh to play God. I'm going to look it up right now. Yes, you do. The, play yeah. Ikiman Vampire, which low-key I loved. I dated a vampire version of Sherlock Holmes and I was there <laughs> for it. And I refused to pay any in-game money. But if you want to make the good saucy choices, you got to pay that in-game money. Like it's a microtransaction so- or it's like an in-game currency? It's an in-game currency that you mostly are only able to get by spending real money. Jesus Christ! So, are so you, Connor, oh can you give God. can you give us an example of what this looks like? so like? Take us take us to your experience with uh, sexy vampire Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> and like, what's the scenario where like you would have to dish out some like fucking tokens to you know get the vampire D? This feels really personal. I have <laughs> a vague memory because there was like. <laughs> Loki, I went through about a month and a half or two months of playing this really hard during quarantine. And then my fiance had this medical emergency. He, spoiler alert, is totally fine, but his lung collapsed at the time. And I was terrified to death for him. And I was like, it's because you're emotionally cheating on him with this vampire. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) So I put it away. But every night it still sends me notifications and it's like, Arthur misses you. And I'm like, well, I miss Arthur <laughs> oh too. God, it's but like here an we are. boy for your phone. That's sick. <laughs> That's brilliant. It's really ridiculous. The lines are super insane. One of the lines that he said was that like he wanted to like have all of you, your mind, body and soul, like something really intense and kind of toxic. But I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Go for it. Um, yes, I will pay $1.50 for that. I will pay $1.50 for you to own my entire being. That sounds like a healthy relationship. Um, uh, okay, Connor, yeah. uh, if I can just like interject a little bit. Uh, one Please. like very, um, uh, something very close to the hearts uh, of the Motion Pixels podcast is the uh, baseball scene from Twilight. Uh, what are your thoughts on... Twilight and is Twilight the best baseball movie in your opinion? (laughs) This is amazing that you brought this up because I was literally considering about five minutes ago mentioning that one of my friends from the game center, who's an amazing uh, game dev and narrative game writer. Her name is Elizabeth Ballou. She, I don't know if she's made it and if she hasn't trademark, it's hers. So back off everybody. (laughs) But she wanted to make a dating sim that was purely based on the baseball scene from Twilight. Oh, oh my God. God. Oh, I would 100% play that. There right? are so That's many of us online who are obsessed with that scene. I like, I follow so many on Twitter, like Twilight fan accounts, just in the hopes that the, the baseball scene will like, there will be like a gif <laughs> of the baseball scene on my timeline. Oh my God. It's so good. I don't know why she hasn't done it yet because it is, it is just money waiting to be made. Um, <laughs> and as far as my opinion of the Twilight books, I read the first three in high school. I had to put a Harry 
a Harry Potter cover over them because oh I wasn't allowed to read them. Um, and then I didn't read the last one or whatever. What was, I don't remember what the last one was, but I didn't read the last one. Uh, I was over it at that point, but did you I watch the trying. last movie? No, I know what generally happens. Like I know that Jacob marks her baby yeah, I was gonna mention with that. her unborn child <laughs> and like names her. It's like, it's really wild. It's too much. It's too much. <laughs> No, Jacob. But I do. I've been trying hardcore to convince my fiance to watch it with me with the mindset of it's a parody. It's really entertaining. If you watch it, it's a parody. Okay. But see, he I do don't. It. I unironically, completely you, legitimately think the first Twilight movie is like dope. Yeah, it's like, pretty good. I, I love that movie. We, we watched it for the podcast a little while back. And like I was just like blown away how much I loved it because like growing up, it's like kind of no. goofy. And I always liked the Twilight movies growing up. Um, but like coming back to it, I was like, okay, this is probably hasn't aged well, but no, like I think twilight one like fucking rocks and is so silly. And like the baseball scene, like, <laughs> okay. So I, a fun fact I learned about the baseball scene. So when the sexy bad vampires, cause you know, we're following the titular, you know, sexy, good vampires of, yeah. of sexy, twilight. bad vampires are my best. I don't remember what that vampire's name was. The main sexy, bad vampire, the male one. Uh, yeah. I, also no, I don't remember either, but they're all very sexy. And, uh, yeah. you know, like bare chested, you know, uh, beautiful, beautiful specimens of vampires. And uh, so when they enter that scene <laughs> in the in the baseball scene, when the bad vampires come and like, you know, put a wet blanket all over the Cullen family tradition. Uh, <laughs> so there's this crazy shot where they're walking up and they're like they're walking towards the camera like faster than it looks possible. And the way they filmed that is they had them all on like a big treadmill, like one of those like treadmill things at the airport. And <laughs> they like just that's out of the shot, but they have them walking on that. So it seems like these vampires are just like rolling up in like the dopest way possible, you know, because vampires are, you know, extra fast and, and sexy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, cinematic masterpiece in my opinion, unironically twilight fucking mm. rules. That's so good. Twilight is amazing. You know what else is, is amazing in the same genre? Interview with the Vampire. You know, I have never seen it, but I love Tom Cruise. I've never even heard of it. I love Brad Pitt. Oh my God, Matt, how have you not heard of it? Oh, Matt, what? I was reading this in high school. We had to have talked about it. Vampire? I'm looking this <laughs> up. Interview with the Vampire. Yes. Yeah, it's I mean, by uh, the Anne Rice. It's this series of books. Wow, it's um, old. This is a movie based on it. It's 1994. It's old, but it's magical. It's like, oh God, it was it was half of my sexual awakening. Oh Obviously, the other half was Phantom of the Opera. But <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Backtrack. It, so you who were you into were you into the Phantom or the The Opera the girl? Oh yeah, the Phantom <laughs> or the Opera. <laughs> the Opera. I was there oh, cool. for the opera. Very cool. No, I was I mean, yeah, I was obviously into the opera. It actually irks um John, my fiance, every single day because I tell him he's Raul, but he knows that he knows that I love the Phantom. I love Raul too. <laughs> Raul is the healthy, good love, but the Phantom and is Christine the slightly is just like Jones in for that Phantom D. Yeah, I mean he has yeah. that mask. It's Gerard Butler in the movie. Come on, it. it is that unhealthy, sexy like hit me with another round of that ridiculous <laughs> toxic love. It is. So stupid, unhealthy, but I'm there for it. And um, yeah, that was a huge, that was, that was probably like biggest part of my sexual awakening. Uh, I think mine uh. was probably a goofy movie. For some reason, Roxanne. <laughs> Roxanne? Uh, Roxanne, the, the sexy 
college uh, dog girl, uh, you know, dog, you know, maybe dog face, we might say. Uh, <laughs> she she uh, did something to me. I don't know what it was because I always felt, you know, kind of like Max, Max of a goofy yeah. movie fame. So to see him get the girl, uh, you know, really, really spoke to me. Um, and this also really is not the first she, time that I've heard this. Yeah, I mean, she uh, I think Roxanne is, you know, a wonderful lady dog. And uh, I I like the best for her in the X Games one in the sequel. um, I think they're like a happy couple, if I remember correctly. So I think that's like. No, she doesn't exist. Wait, what? Yeah. They definitely broke up because she is not existent in in, in an extremely goofy movie. The sexiest dog character in movie history. They do not mention her. She is never seen. The only awesome female character that I can recall. Well, no, there's Goofy's girlfriend. Yeah, that's the best one. But, but. Pete's girlfriend, the like moody, like slam poetry girl. Oh, no. No, see, that's I, that's the thing is that you know I'm also into goth slam poetry girls, so yeah, that, that also who wouldn't did it for be? me. So me I really the, both go- the goofy cinematic universe really, uh, really awoke me sexually as well. Huh? Yeah, that's fair. It was good. Has had sexual awakenings from movies? I don't. Yeah, big time. Huh. Have you not had yours yet, Matt? I don't think so. <laughs> it'll it'll happen just read interview with the vampire i was playing uh, <laughs> shout out to another friend shout out to another friend virginia wilkerson she made a game um called that's gay and it's 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 like a card matching game where they're you basically have like a set of cards that are presented randomly and you decide together as a table what is the most gay and um, to be clear, she is queer, and this is made as like a very sort of queer friendly satirical game for everyone to sort of decide what is the most gay in their personal experience of queer culture. And one of the cards that, in my experience, consistently wins is Interview with a Vampire. <laughs> wait, so you're saying, good. wait, is, wait, are, so I know sexy Brad Pitt vampire and sexy Tom Cruise vampire are in that movie, but are they. A couple? Are they a vampire couple? In, they're in not officially a vampire couple, but there is so much. To, there is Frodo Sam sexual tension there. Okay, Frodo and Sam had sexual step, tension. Take a step back. What? Yeah, take a step back. What? Did you watch that film? Did you watch that yes. film? I've seen the extended edition probably a dozen times. I've seen the extended edition five dozen times. Oh my god! You just uploaded a picture of Roxanne. Yeah, <laughs> yeah in a Thrasher T-shirt. We'll 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 put this on the pod. It's <laughs> okay. a it's a very important image for me. This is really good. <laughs> but yeah, that's Goofy talking to her. I feel like that does not look like Max. Yeah, that's- no, that's like Streetwear Max. He's like you know he got a job oh and he's, no, it you know, looks like Max's dad is hitting store. on his girlfriend. No, no way. That could be your head cannon, but my head cannon is pure. <laughs> Goofy would never do that to Max. Okay, hold on, Goofy hold on. We, You're this, right. we pulled away from the real conversation piece. You, you think Frodo yeah. and mm-hmm. Sam had <laughs> sexual tension? I listen. listen. I think you can watch that film and experience it one of two ways, and both ways are valid and wholesome as fuck. One way is that they had a true, beautiful bromance that was just unbreakable by anything under middle earth's beautiful sun but the other way is that they were fucking in love with each other and that is equally valid and there's going to be moments when they look at each other and frodo says 
I'm glad you're here with me, Sam. And you'll <laughs> never look at it the same and you'll be like, yep, they're in love. I love that for them. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Either way is valid and beautiful and wholesome. <laughs> but you can definitely see it either way. And you're ne- you're never going to unsee it. Go back and watch them and watch all the moments where they say little adorable things to each other. I've actually only seen <laughs> the movies each once. And that was in theaters what? when they what? came out. Wait, okay. Wait, what? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's, that's the case. Everybody growing up, y'all were all obsessed with Lord of the Rings. And like, well, I, I liked it. say... Not to bring up your dating history, but you dated somebody in high school who was very obsessed with this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's dig into Matt's dating history. No, no, no we're skipping really that. We're that. Skipping We've already that. started. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, like, I mean, everybody was obsessed with it, but I just, I never saw it well, the second time. I've seen to remedy them. I've that. seen them. But I, like, people are like, have these marathons where they'll watch like the extended cuts that are like five hours each or something right like four they're four about four yeah i've never see i've never seen those either uh, it just sounds like a oh lot God. i've seen them probably close to 50 times hell yeah i wow. watch them almost every single year they're probably my favorite thing in the entire world yeah the uh the extended edition of the first movie i can't even watch the theatrical cut of the fellowship of the ring because you get we get like an entire hour in uh yeah. in Hobbiton in the Shire. And it's like there's just nothing better than a bunch of like quasi Irish, you know, short people running around shooting off fireworks. There's nothing it's better. It's true. And all the the Galadriel scenes with the um, I think her giving the gifts and and everything, that's like all cut. Oh. Yeah, see, I don't even have like a frame of reference because I've I only watched the extended editions of The Lord of the As Rings. As it should be. Don't worry, Matt. We'll fix it. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll fix you, Matt. You broken <laughs> broken man. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll make you whole again. Uh, okay, so let's 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 circle back. Let's circle mm-hmm. back. We've uh, we've gone a bit out of pocket. Um, this is yep. probably the horniest <laughs> that the podcast has ever got, which is a good thing. It's a it's a good thing. Um, Maybe somebody will but, have their sexual awakening from the Motion Pixels podcast. <gasps> yeah. Oh my god, I wish that so much. <laughs> yeah, if you are sexually awakened by this podcast, you know, tweet at us at Motion Pixels. Join the Discord. Um, just an eggplant. Just tweet an eggplant. Yeah, tweet an eggplant at <laughs> or all peach. Of us, just or so we peach. Know. Or a peach. Or a watermelon. You know, like a like a whatever is your preference fruit. Of yeah, yeah. Whatever fruit desire. gets you going, tweet that. <laughs> tweet that at us. Um, or whatever, vegetable. I don't know. Or vegetable. Um, you know, it could be a tomato, like one of those like fruit vegetables, like you don't really know what it is, but you know that you're like into it. You know, you want <laughs> well, that it's pretty undisputed that that's a fruit, but it's okay. And, you know, in many people's opinions, you know, it's like, it's like the flat earth thing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, we're not, this is not a flat earth podcast. Uh, we're over that. Um, <laughs> cut that part out, Matt. Cut that part out. We don't want to get, we don't want to get, you know, taken down by big uh, flat earth. earth. Yeah, by big flat earth. <laughs> yeah, um, no. <laughs> yeah, just just uh, bleep. Just find like a really cool sound bite that is like makes it makes it sound like I'm saying something really informed and uh, like wholesome and good. Uh, and just bleep it out with that. That'd be cool. Um, we we would appreciate that. But uh, yeah, so tweet at us. You know, whatever sex fruit or vegetable gets you going. If this podcast has sexually awakened you, and if not, don't. Um, but Connor, That's valid too. Connor, so um, where, so you say that, you know, you're out there, A, 
making like bomb indie games with Sam Barlow and the like half to full mermaid crew. Um, (laughs) You have these side projects going Um, like what else do you want to dip your toes in, in, in game development? Like what, um, like what genres or kinds of projects would you, would you want to get into? Oh man, that's, that's a toughie. If it's too tough, we can go back to talking about Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt because I feel like we didn't like dig deep enough into that. We like didn't really delve into that as much as I thought we would. Um, no, it's okay. Uh, I oh man, it's interesting because I've made. I feel like I've I've sort of had my hand in such a hodgepodge variety of of game genres in my studying. Um, and I certainly didn't know when I started school either that I was going to be into programming specifically. Um, but what I also spent a lot of time in was narrative and narrative writing and design. Um, and I would really love, I think there's, there's so many things and I feel like I'm going to sound, um, a little insane naming all the different kinds of games that I want to participate in, but in general, uh, puzzle games, I love puzzle games, um, and puzzle games with the narrative. I grew up playing um, things like Myst uh, with and Riven with my mom, and I love those games, and I would love to make something that is within that genre. Um, I really love classic point-and-click RPGs, and I feel like there's just like a loss of love for them, and there's a clunkiness that they can't quite get over that hump, and I would love to figure out sort of how to solve some of that. I feel like, oh god, I was just playing Disco Elysium, and I'm not very far in, but I feel like they do a fantastic job with this. But um, for anybody that is familiar, the King's Quest series and the Quest for Glory series, uh, both Sierra Online titles, were a huge part of my childhood and are and are definitely the kinds of games that I would like to be involved in sort of recreating in a more modern, accessible, streamlined way. Um, and then, oh man. I I mean, the overall dream is to work, literally the overall dream is to go and work for Crystal Dynamics on the Tomb Raider series. That's like the end all. Oh, that'd be sick. I I think, do you think they're going to make more Tomb Raider games? Because it seems like like they have this Avengers IP now, and uh, it seems like they're trying to support that. Well, it flopped, so maybe. (laughs) But But they're trying to support it. But the Tomb Raider IP, I mean, those all those games, I think, did pretty well. They, excuse me. They did. And the reboot, I mean, the the initial reboot in 2013 um, was amazing. Having played all the originals and kind of knowing what they were doing, you know, I mean, there were definitely, um, I think, some some flaws. And I long for for what was the original concept of Lara Croft. I don't know if you guys know this, uh, that um, the original sort of pitch for Lara Croft was uh, actually a South American woman named Lara Cruz. Oh, that's cool. And I would have loved to have that and to have a Latinx character represented in Lara Croft or well in what have been what would have been Lara Cruz. Um, but then of course, uh at the time, I think it was Eidos, maybe, or Square Enix, I can't remember which, but one of them was like, This isn't super UK friendly, let's make something more UK friendly, and so they made her white and they went with Lara Croft. Um but in general, uh I, yeah, I, I, 
I don't know. She's she's such an amazing character, and I think that those games did a really good job of sort of reimagining her and still holding true to what made her very um, like uh, she she was always an amazing character in the puzzles of those games. The the puzzle design of those games was phenomenal, but then they really sort of grounded her and made her more human in a really uh, wonderful way. Um, and the sequels to the 2013 Tomb Raider, I feel like, haven't quite lived up to that. But they're still pretty wonderful. I think that there's definitely still a lot of profit for them to make there. I think they're going to continue to make them. I hope they do. And I would love to work on them, um, either in the narrative world or in the programming world. Or f- or in the freaking combat world. I saw a, the other day that they were looking for like a, a combat expert. And I was like, that <laughs> must be the most kick-ass job. Like, like motion cap act? combat yeah i think you're kind of deciding what her combat is and probably like it sounds a little bit like it would be like a like a fight director job god that's so cool which would be the most badass thing and it was something that i did a lot of when i was acting was stage combat oh that would be amazing there's so many realms that i would be willing to work in (laughs) if it was on a tomb raider game so uh Crystal Dynamics, if you're listening, my name is Connor Carson, and please hire me. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, another thing I wanted to ask is you are an actor, and you mm-hmm. work at a studio that makes FMV games. Yeah. So, are you going to leverage <laughs> your skills here? <laughs> Am I just gonna be like Sam? Draw me in this scene. I've got it. Put me in coach. Um, I mean, like that's. I don't know. Like indie studios. Like I'm not sure if you're familiar with like Super Giant. Um, they made uh, like Bastion, and uh, their most recent game was Hades. Uh, they're like a ten person. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have. I, I'm familiar with. Yeah. Them. I haven't. I haven't gotten to Hades yet, but it is on my priorities. Oh my god, Connor, Hades is so dope. All of Super Giants games are awesome, but Hades is amazing. Oh. We, we were talking about that last week. Yeah, um, I've been watching uh, Gus and our friend Dane have been watching this uh, no-clip documentary on the studio, and there a lot of the, the people play a lot of roles. Like, um, what's the what's that uh, audio guy's name? Is that Darren Korb? Is that his name? Uh, that sounds right. Yeah, uh, he, he literally does like all the all the instrumentals for all the music tracks, the voice acting, the mixing, like everything. He does so much of it. And like, you know, it's just because it's a small studio and they got to do it. And it's like you yeah. work at a studio where you do FMV and you have a strong <laughs> acting background. And I know you're an amazing actress because we did like, I mean, granted, it was high school drama, but like <laughs> you were the star of the you know the small pond so like you got chops and you've only been doing more it just seems you, like i thought that'd be like why you would go to a studio like that you know because it's like you get to leverage both your backgrounds i think i mean i think that's definitely part of why they uh hired me is that i had that experience and they're definitely what one of the things that i love about the studio and about sam in general is that they really want um everyone's input on everything you know even though i'm the programmer i'm constantly included on conversations that involve design that involve narrative and um my input is taken into account and i love that because i want to i want to like nurture and develop those parts of of um my game dev kit 
Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely didn't go into it with any intention to con- to continue acting. I do kind of have a desire to continue acting at least in the, um, in, in the voiceover respect. I really enjoy voiceover. It's something that felt the most natural to me of all the things that I studied uh, in my time in school, um, as well as stage combat. And like, I've continued <laughs> to do... Uh, martial arts is as just sort of my way of staying physically fit and um, just as a hobby. And so that would be amazing too. But I don't know. Yeah, it's never really been something I've thought about. I don't know how I would propose that or that I would fit any of the roles that they're looking for. Hey, boss, I feel like if anything, got I'm this like, monologue. Want to listen to it? <laughs> well, okay, actually, okay. So this is it's from know, Beauty I, and the Beast. <laughs> I you know, have a lot of professional experience, and I can tell you that you know leveraging your background is really important so if you have all of this martial arts experience i think maybe the best plan of action if you really want this is to kick sam barlow's ass like fight him yeah like fight him just like challenge (laughs) challenge him to a fight and you know the winner takes all um okay so i i want to dig in a little bit connor to uh so you're you said you're into like uh um, like erotica. Is there any like er- like erotic <laughs> fiction games that people people might not know about? Because it seems like a genre that's probably been you know. There's probably a lot of games like that. I'm just not familiar with a lot of them personally. Hmm. It's not just visual erotic novels? games. <laughs> I mean, a lot of them are visual novels. This is difficult. I I'm trying to think what I've played that has been erotic in nature. Um, there is. I have to look this up right. There is an amazing interactive fiction game that is quite old, but is quite good. That that stirred me up. It's called Plunder, Plundered Hearts by Amy Briggs. And it's a wonderful game where you are playing as a woman that's sort of taken captive slash rescued by a captain of a pirate ship. Um, and that's a great game. Uh and then, of course, there's just the classic Sims, where if if you were anything like me during high school, you just recreated every crush that you have that you, that you had in the Sims, and then you know, like married them and had children with them. <laughs> um, sorry, everybody that I had a crush on in high school. There were a lot of you. Um, what else? I'm trying to think of really good erotic stuff. I'm not going to lie. I played recently a Phantom interactive fiction that was ultimately disappointing. Wait, fan, like Phantom oh. of the Opera? Yeah. I love that you just call it Phantom. Like, we should know that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't you? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, to be fair, I did. And I am a, a very big fan of the Phantom of the Opera myself, personally. But I've Matt, I think, went either. over his head. Are you serious, Matt? I don't. Yeah, I mean, why would I? Disappointing. Dis- oh, that's I don't want to throw this person under the bus because I don't know them personally. But it just in general, the game was like, I don't know. The way that it, it represented Christine was kind of weird and misogynistic and upsetting. I'm Christine? just, I think I'm going to write a phantom erotica myself. Um, But... Yeah, I don't know. I haven't played a lot of great erotica games, to be honest, other than those I happened upon on accident as a child because I was like looking up anime fan art and I happened on <laughs> some not safe for work stuff that eventually led to me playing like weird anime anime porn games that I did not understand. But I knew that they were like, ooh, this is this is titillating and I don't know why. Um, but I don't I have no idea what they were called. They were weird. 
Yeah, it just seems like like in twenty like today, like it seems like games are really opening up with the subject matter that they're willing to tackle. Yeah. Like maybe in the past like ten years, I think it's it's really been opening up, but especially now today with all sorts of stuff you see like in fucking like Mm -hmm. cyberpunk 2077 like the biggest game of this whole generation coming out you can Mm -hmm. have like multiple genitalia like right from the get-go that's in the character creator and then you can romance all sorts of different people of all sorts of different backgrounds so Mm -hmm. i think it's i think the space is ripe for uh like erotic uh erotic games i think people are a lot more accepting of that now than they would have been back when you know, the anime porn games were the only things, you know, that were hidden <laughs> away in the dregs of the internet in, in the, on the dark web. My favorite places to go. Um, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that they're a lot more accepted. There's a lot of room for exploration there. And it's really exciting. I have a lot of um, game dev friends that are exploring that space. And I see a lot of games that have come out sort of exploring that space. So I have not taken the time to explore and I really need to do that. Um, yeah, it's... Gosh, it's super interesting. I don't know. My my entire erotic experiences, I think, video game wise, based on on The Sims. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's a few games that uh what I find really cool, it seems like they're they're not so much catering to like cis men. Like uh I don't know if you've heard of Dream yeah. Daddy or like Boyfriend Dungeon. Yes! Like these are two games that have been pretty popular in the past few years. Uh, Dream yes. Daddy's like a dating simulator where you're dating a bunch of like fantasy dads. There's like the sexy vampire dad. The like the, I, I haven't played it myself, I've, but I watched. Uh, I think No Clip has a documentary on Dream Daddy that y'all should check out. Um, no Clip, we, oh, we plug this good. on the podcast on the podcast all the time, but it's this YouTube channel that does these awesome um, video game documentaries. Um, but yeah, they did one on Dream Daddy, and it seems really cool. So I think it, it it's cool that. Um, there's just there's just more being made for more types of people. And I think that's really important, especially because games are just so dope. You know, we want I want everyone to play them, you know, so I want something for everyone. I agree. I think that there's an amazing amount of work being um, being developed, especially uh, by indie uh, indie developers, though, certainly by um, um, some AAA companies as well. I have played Dream Daddy. It's amazing. Um, and I have some friends that uh, have definitely been working on personal projects that, um, you know, are, are involved queer relationships that are amazing. And, um, yeah, I'm really excited to see more games like that coming to the surface and coming into the mainstream, especially. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's super cool. I'd, I'd love to see to see more of that. Um, but, yeah, you know, we'll be we'll be we'll be staying tuned to your body of work, Connor, to see if you, you know do something in that space. That'd be pretty cool. Um, okay. I love all, all aspects of horror. And I like forcing myself to like sit and watch. Like I was watching this movie today, zombie. And I like wanted to, I was like started to like instinctively cover my eyes with my shirt, but I stopped myself because I'm not, you know, I'm not a bitch. So (laughs) (laughs) I like made myself watch it. And, uh, I just, I love that kind of stuff. I love just like feeling really, that's what I love about horror is like it, it, it may, it forces me to be uncomfortable in ways that other genres don't don't really do. Mm. Yeah, I get that. I get that. I, I watched this other. This might be a movie you'd be into, Connor. It's called Dogs Don't Wear Pants. Um, it's a newer movie. <laughs> uh, Finish. Have you heard of it? Are you familiar? No, I have not heard of that. Okay, uh, it's a pretty cool. I I actually really liked it. Um, 
So it's a Finnish movie called Dogs Don't Wear Pants. And the titular dog is a dude who is treated like a dog and made made to act like a dog by this dominatrix that he's like, um, he's like, he's really, I don't know if he's falling in love with her, but it's a, it basically it's a, it's like a horror adjacent movie about a very like boring doctor guy, real uptight guy who finds out that he's really into being humiliated as a like subordinate to this scary dominatrix who's into like super violent, gory stuff. Um, it's a cool movie. It's, it's on shutter. I, I'd, I'd actually recommend it. I, um, I just watched it because I thought the name was funny. Uh, dogs don't wear pants. And, uh, turns out it was actually kind of a sweet movie. It, it was this like kind of heartwarming because, uh, there's like, there's a scene where the guy goes to this dominatrix and is like, you could do anything to me. And she's like, oh, okay. And then she pulls out one of his teeth, like without any, um, like anesthetic or anything, but the movie has like this, like really heartwarming, happy ending where he just like this dude accepts that like, that's what he's into. And I was Mm -hmm. like, it's like the first horror movie I watched this month. I've, I've tried to watch like a horror movie every day and it's the first one that had like a happy ending. And it was like (laughs) very, very, uh, very surprising given the context of the film. I was going to say, because the second you said the title, I Google imaged it. And one of the first images was somebody pulling out somebody else's tooth. And I was like, how how does this have a heartwarming ending? Yeah. But I see it's kind of lovely. Yeah, it was, it was nice. You know, kind of made me step out of my comfort zone. Uh, It was the first dominatrix Mm. horror film I've ever seen. Um, and it was cool. I'd, I'd actually recommend it to anyone with a shutter subscription. I think it's like an exclusive of theirs, but, um, yeah. Okay. So my big question, so horror wise is Connor, have you seen Hubie Halloween? I haven't watched it yet. It's on my list, but I have not watched it yet. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. I mean, it's like maybe the stupidest movie I've ever seen, but I would definitely recommend you watch it. I, I've become right. somewhat of an evangelist for the Hubster. Yes, did you see the comment on the tweet of our last podcast? Oh my god, yeah, dude, I was I was mm. responding to this guy. So, kind of on our, uh, I tweeted out the link to our last podcast. It was like mostly a, we kept talk, we like talked way too much, honestly. And I'm sorry to our audience about Hubie Halloween. Uh, we went real deep into this very stupid movie, and a like gimmick Twitter account called uh, I, can, I can bring it up, but it's called the account is called something like Has Adam Sandler made a good movie yet? Yep. And all the account <laughs> does is tweet no every day. And, uh, they, Jesus. yeah, yeah. They responded to our tweet and I'll pull up the tweet now so I can get this right. I want to do, I want to do them justice. Um, they said all that talking about Hubie Halloween better have been talking shit. And then I just responded, you can tweet yes now. Cause he only tweets no. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then he said, I don't think I will. And then I, I crudely photoshopped. Um, I don't know if you've seen Uncut Gems, but there's that there's that scene where he's like, where Adam Sandler is like, "Holy shit, I'm gonna come!" Uh, but I photoshopped this image to say, "Holy shit, I'm gonna insist you respect Hubie." Uh, he has not responded, so um, our first official sounds Twitter like you got him uh, with this dude is not resolved. But yeah, I think I got him. I think I got him. But yeah, check out yeah. check out Hubie Halloween if you like really stupid movies. Um, I enjoy a stupid movie now and then. Yeah, that would be our official recommendation to you. If you if you leave this podcast with anything, I hope it's with the intent to watch uh, Hubie Halloween. Um, 
Okay, in your opinion, Connor, is Hubie Halloween the title? Do you think that's a play on words like Happy Halloween? Hubie Halloween. Oh, interesting. I did not process it that way until you asked that question. Yeah, I think that was probably the intention, but it's so it just doesn't work. But I love that they quite. like committed this multi-million dollar film with a name that doesn't really make sense. I think it's just wonderful. I love that kind of thing. It's like one consonant too far. If it if it was Hupy Halloween, I would process it that way. Yeah, I think it's 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 wonderful that it is so dumb and it it really mirrors the whole film. Um, but Connor, what are you, some of your favorite uh, horror films? So you said that this uh, oh, game that you're working on uh, with Half Mermaid is somewhat inspired by horror horror films, horror cinema. Um, what what are some of your uh, horror horror movie inspirations? Like what what are you what are you mostly into? Um, let's see. I mean, top films are definitely going to be um, I think Alien, in just in in the way that oh, I mean it it was just really groundbreaking groundbreaking and the suspense was like I don't know it was truly phenomenal those films. Um, but uh, also I think probably the one I've watched the most. Uh, and it continues to get me every time that I watch it is The Shining. Oh, that's like my favorite movie. It's, it's so good. Beautiful. Oh my movie. God, it's phenomenal. And I, I actually just read the novel for the first time. Oh, how was it? I, I just started getting into Stephen King novels, but I haven't checked out The Shining yet. Oh my God, it's so good. I love the film. I love the film, but I have to look at it as a separate entity because there's there's something about the book that gives you such a window into Jack Torrance that is just not at all achieved in The Shining. I think, oops, I dropped my pop filter on the mic. Um, <laughs> I think that The Shining as a film is, is phenomenal, everything about it. But what the book does is, is gives you this phenomenal window into who Jack Torrance is and what motivates him and the way that he works and just humanizes him in a way that is not, I don't, I don't think represented in the film in that, like in the film right away, you're like, who is this kind of fucked up, creepy dad? Um, Whereas in the book, he's clearly fucked up. He's clearly dealing with his own sort of inner turmoil, his own demons, but you see what's there, what's behind it. And then what's really amazing too um, is the role that Halloran plays, the chef Mm -hmm. from uh, uh, the film, if you remember. Of course. Um, He plays a a much larger role in the, the, sorry, in the book that is so amazing. And he is my favorite character, maybe one of my favorite characters ever written. Um, And I I just don't feel that the film quite does him justice. I know that... um, uh, it's pretty well known that I think Stephen King was not a huge fan of the Stanley Cooper film. I think that maybe that could be in part why the way that both Jack Torrance and Halloran are represented. Um, the book's phenomenal. The film is also phenomenal. I just have to look at it as sort of a separate entity, a very a very specific uh, interpretation of the book to to really get into it. But God, it's so good. The way it was shot, everything about it. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, I I think The Shining is one of not just the best horror movies ever, but I think it's just one of the best movies ever. The way it mm-hmm. uses suspense and color and world building, uh, I think a lot of movies have taken a ton from The Shining. Uh, it's so dope. I love that movie. Um, Matt, your favorite horror movie is is Paranormal Activity, right? But or Paranormal Activity three is that your favorite? Mm-hmm. Yep. But besides that, and Paranormal Activity three absolutely slaps. That's a great movie. Um, <laughs> uh, besides that, Matt, what are what are some other horror movies that you're into? 
Oh, dude, there's so many. Like, see, I think, I don't know if this was a PPC or we talked about this on a pod, but like the thing that's so great about horror and the reason it's my favorite genre is because like so many are like shitty in a weird way. Oh, I but, love shitty movies, too. But you can still love them. Like, saying Paranormal Paranormal Activity 3 is your favorite mo- like horror movie like just sounds wrong because it's like the fucking third paranormal activity, <laughs> you know? But like every horror movie can just have like something good about it that grabs somebody. Um, and I like that's usually what I look for. As long as there's like one little piece that I really enjoy about it, like it's one of my favorites. Like um like I, I had a really I had a big soft spot for found footage when that was huge. Like, you know, like obviously mm-hmm. all the paranormal activities. Um, but then there's a Netflix, they put out two movies that were called VHS that were like vignettes. Oh, great movies, great of movies. Of like yeah, of like just it's just a bunch of like short found footage stories all tied together with this like shitty meta narrative. Um and it's cool because like a lot of them are like, have you ever seen these, Connor? I am not. Oh my I'm god! I'm gonna be honest. I feel like they would cause me to never sleep again. Oh, they're. I mean, they're not too bad. Like it's the concept is it's just like a lot of them are like imagine you're in like a fucking like an English class that's teaching horror or I guess a creative writing class that's teaching horror and they, like the teacher writes prompts on like a whiteboard. It's it, it kind of feels like the people came up with the stories like that way. Like hmm. it's like oh zombie, but um it's filmed in the perspective of of a guy wearing a GoPro, you know? So like a zombie's wearing a GoPro the whole time. And so just modding. Yeah. Classic genres. Yeah. And it's just kind of like little tweaks and it's kind of cool to see how it's done. Cause it's very like B movie, but like it covers a lot of like interesting ground. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I I enjoyed stuff like that. And then also just like thick camp, like evil dead. Dude. I I love evil dead so much. Man. What a great franchise. Um, God, Bruce Campbell, dude. Bruce Campbell is just one of the funniest actors of all time. And the way that he like still today still is just like so like that. He's still just like capitalizing on the character that was created in like 1981 or whenever the original Evil mm-hmm. Dead came out is <laughs> just so great. Usually it's just I find that kind of cringy when actors do that and just kind of sad. But with Bruce Campbell, it just works. He's got that chin. You know what I mean? He just got that chin. <laughs> Yeah, friend of the podcast, Bruce Campbell. Okay, Connor. So you have a PS4, right? Yeah. Have you played Until Dawn? Oh fuck yeah! Okay, okay. I was gonna say, is it? I've wanted to play that for so long. Uh, I own a copy of it, but I don't own a PS4. And like, (laughs) you are so dumb. Why would you own a copy of? Because like a roommate in college was like, I'm gonna get PS4, (laughs) and I was like, Oh, cool. That means it'll be in the living room, so I can play it. But like, he kept it in his bedroom and. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, come to New York and you can play it on my console. Okay. Cool. It is very good. Um, I I played through most of it um on my own without really being able to fully handle and process it. And then last Thanksgiving, I forced my brother-in-law to play through all of it for mine and my siblings' entertainment, and it was uh amazing yeah that, that yeah, studio's awesome. making another game i, I don't yeah, even well know they have a whole they're doing an anthology series now called the uh dark pictures anthology i, th- I want to say it's called they put out a game last year called man of medan which was like a uh 
like a ghost ship story, like about like a haunted uh, battleship that was pretty mm. cool. Um, and then they have a new a new game called uh, Little Hope, which I actually know nothing about it, but that's their next um, interactive like horror. Uh, it's kind of like they're not really like adventure games, they're, but they're not really like point and click adventure. They're kind of like Telltale, like yeah. Telltale style games, but with like more of a emphasis on like the branching horror narrative, like choosing who lives and who dies. Like that's it's kind of like you are in like the driver's seat of like a Saw movie. Yep, it's a good way to describe it. Wow, these yeah. guys have had a weird history of making games. Get, okay, so the developers of these games is called uh, Super Massive Games. And guess what their first game was? Um, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, the game. Okay, wait, just guess the genre the first game was. Erotica. No. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say match three. <laughs> I mean, a little closer. Uh, the first game really? the studio developed was Little Big Planet DLC. What? Yeah. Little Big Planet? Isn't that crazy? DLC, interesting. So they like came on board for some kind of random shit that was yeah. already being developed. All right, interesting. Also, there's Good a VR them. Until Dawn. Wow. Yeah, I've heard that's mm. actually okay. It's like a on-rails game where you're like on like scary roller coasters or something like that. Oh, I don't like all that. of these VR games. I could not handle. Have you all? I have not played it, but I've watched a lot of Let's Play videos of the VR game. I think it's called Forest or the Forest. The oh forest? yeah, I've heard oh, about it's, that. I've it's also it just flat. Like you can just play that on a TV. Okay, I've only <laughs> I've only watched the VR videos. That shit's fucked up. Yeah, that game's really good. Like, if you you can totally go like that game has one of those um. Uh, what is it like you're going crazy meters i think they just call it sanity in that game but like yeah like you know like the systems where like to ward off enemies you have to build effigies out of like the bones of the parts of the people that you kill but it makes you go crazy <laughs> like what you didn't know oh yeah yeah that's like a whole like the it's like a crafting game right but like you use yeah. bones for parts and the way you get bones is you you know, you kill the cannibals and then you burn their bodies and you get bones and you can build effigies that like will act as like scarecrows kind of. What a system. Yeah. Right. Like that's who designed that? A great indie developer. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh man. This is, I mean, very, very barely within the uh, horror genre and i'm sure y'all have talked about it plenty but i'm uh have you all played among us and can we all play among us together yeah sure yeah, that'd be great that'd be sweet yeah we were playing a lot right when that initial um i'm glad you brought this up because uh, we had a very we were playing that a lot when it first kind of got big. And a couple weeks ago, we had an exchange on our Discord where somebody called us out for our hot, hot takes on Among Us because we kind of trashed on it. Because, um, mm. like, I don't know. I was looking at it kind of wrong. Like, uh, like, I'm sure you've played a lot of social deception games before, right? Yeah. Like, have you, you've played, like, I'm sure, like, Mafia or something, like, in person with Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Secret Hitler. Yeah, and so, like... Mafia, Secret Hitler, um, I'm trying to think of other examples. But, yeah, I've played a lot of Deception games like that. Yeah, and so, like, coming from, like, a background with things like that and then playing Among Us, which... It, it's a social deception game, but 
the talking is at like at a minimum, you know, because you don't mm-hmm. talk while you're doing like half of the game. It like kind of left a weird, I don't know, like feeling that I was like, oh, this is just like not a good fit. But like the more I look like played the game and started to understand it, it's kind of like an easier point because it's not all just reliant on like your coercion skills. Like and there's like a there's like a break that you can like think. Yeah. I thought that was actually kind of cool upon like retrospect. Have you played it? Have you just played it with the chat system or have you played where you're like on voice chat on Discord? Oh, or yeah. With yeah, we thing? only do. We've only played. I haven't played it with random people. We have a pretty big uh, Discord that we're a part of. So we would usually get like 10 people in a lobby. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, I've played it without that, just in like with random people in the chat, and it's a very Oof. different, yeah. far less satisfying experience. Yeah, um, <laughs> I bet. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like blue sus. Why? <laughs> uh, blue sus, or blue is in the electric room or whatever, and then that's it, and then everybody votes. It's it's far far lamer than like when I played with my actual sister, who's a terrible liar. And half the fun was the fact that as soon as we were like, Carolina, you've been awful quiet. What were you doing? She just like turned bright red (laughs) and burst into this ridiculous smile. We were like, cool, voting for you. Like you had webcams Um, or you were in person? We we play it on Zoom. So we'll just mute ourselves on Zoom while we're doing our tasks. And then we'll unmute ourselves during the emergency meetings. Uh, But she's a terrible liar. She immediately- shows her her hand (laughs) yeah like what's interesting is among us was initially a a land game um Mm -hmm. which is like i mean it's perfect for it uh but it's cool that we're like in this age of easy video conferencing software like where, where everybody can just like talk and see each other like super easy like no real barriers did you see the stats of of Discord's users when Among Us like really? Oh no, but I'm sure it was massive. What was it? It's fucking insane. I don't even know what the numbers are, but I know it like I I don't know. It more than doubled their current user base. Wow! Just for the game Among Us. That's crazy. I mean, that's good because they were trying to pivot away from games as like a casual messaging thing anyway. So that's probably going to help people. Yeah. Because I I love Discord as just a like my friends, we have like a, a group message and we all pivoted away from uh, Facebook Messenger uh, basically mm-hmm. to get away from the, the thumb of the Zuck. Wanted to get out from that. <laughs> uh, I feel that. Anymore, Fuck yeah. that thumb. The, yeah. the, the, the Zuck thumb. Yeah. So we uh, we were like, well, you know, Discord has group messaging. Let's Let's just use Discord for this. And we've been just doing our message through there and it's wonderful. Um, there's some things that kind of suck from like a, tr- a traditional messaging service, but for the most part, like I really like it. Uh, I th- I think that about takes us to time. Uh, Connor, do you want to uh, have any? I'll give you the mic. Oh, here, let me physically <laughs> pass you the mic. All right, there you go. Uh, do you want Thank to you. have like a the last word on something? Um, last word. Oh, I do have a last word, which is. Not so much a word as a slight conversation. I'm sorry, August. Um, <laughs> uh, Matt, do you remember how during your little shed kickbacks we used to smoke your pipe? Yes. Okay. Well, and for the record, I'm, I'm not that I care or it matters either way, but we were smoking 
uh, tobacco. Um, <laughs> I continued the habit of smoking tobacco into college and into my master's program. I was smoking cigarettes and then I really needed to get off cigarettes. And I recently, within the last few months, bought myself a ridiculous but wonderful sort of Gandalf style pipe. Oh my God. And I think of you and the, the days in your shed every time I smoke it. Wow. Is it like, uh, I've seen some of those before. There's this one uh, smoke shop where I'd pick up like the uh, the pipe tobacco. See, Gus, you were a, oh, this, wow, this is some old stuff. Uh, what, Matt? What? Oh, I what thought you were about to call me out. I was preemptively, I was doing like a preemptive strike. <laughs> oh, yeah, I wasn't calling you out. The just, th- th- these were times that we all spent together. So it's just, it's like a memory lane kind of thing. Um, Cameron Park. Yeah, good time. A beautiful place to live. Uh, but yeah, I they, this one store I would pick up the the canned tobacco. They they would always have they had this big like ebony Gandalf looking pipe, yes. and I th- that must be so. You have do you use that? <laughs> I do. It's not quite as long as the Gandalf pipe. It is a long pipe, but it's not quite as. That long sounds as like that. a bitch to clean, dude. <laughs> it is annoying to clean. I have a really hard time pushing the pipe cleaner through it. Um, do you need like extra long is- pipe cleaners? I think I do. It's it's such a bitch. I it's a little too narrow. Like the the cleaner gets stuck halfway through, and I'm just like hurting my fingers on the fucking shit in the pipe cleaner. But it's lovely. It has little it has little beautiful bits of uh, turquoise running through the pipe. Whoa! You should you should send us um, but, a picture of this so we can put it on the on the screen for the podcast. Okay, I'll send you a picture of the pipe. I literally can't smoke it anywhere. We don't have access to a backyard, and so I'm just like on the sidewalk in <laughs> Brooklyn, leaning against a scaffold like a dumbass, smoking a Gandalf pipe. You know, and everyone in my neighborhood is just like, "Who is this hipster asshole smoking her pipe?" <laughs> <laughs> That's my experience. That's so funny. <sighs> I can see, I can picture you doing this too. Oh, totally. <laughs> That's very on brand, Connor. Yes, I am I am happy to have uphold that, this brand. Uh, well, that was, a, I really appreciate that anecdote. Uh, this is a uh, pro <laughs> pipe tobacco podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, thank you very much for sharing that and all of your wonderful anecdotes, uh, Connor Carson with us because this has been the motion pixels podcast i am your co-host august meyer joined by my lovely co-host matthew rollings matthew say goodbye goodbye and (laughs) this week we were joined by a video game developer extraordinaire for sam barlow's half mermaid studio connor carson connor say goodbye goodbye because this has been the motion pixels podcast and theme song I'm finished. That's pretty amazing. Um, August, can I be perfectly honest with you? Yes. I am about to pee my pants. <laughs>